You are now tuned in to the Jags Den Podcast, the official podcast of the Jaguars Wire, brought to you by USA Today Sports Media Group, and also the number one Jaguars podcast on the airwaves. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Jags Den Podcast. I am your host for today, of course, James Johnson, managing editor of the Jaguars Wire. And of course, you all know me on Twitter as sports grind underscore done. Of course, you can feel free to follow our site. That is jaguarswire.usatoday.com. And you can also follow us on social media, most notably Twitter at the Jaguars Wire is the handle, of course, at Jags Den Podcast is the podcast handle. And you can also Feel free to follow my comrades and co-hosts and Jacob DeLawrence at J Della, or should I say underscore Jadella. And you can also feel free to follow Phil Smith under Phil the Filipino. And also while I'm at it, um, I want to um, send my condolences to Phil, who is um, he lost his uncle this week. And uh, that's part of the reason why he couldn't join us. So uh, I want to send my condolences to the Smith family and let him know, as I have always, that, um, you know, we are here for him at Jaguars Wire. And of course, anything you need, feel free to reach out to me, my man. And, uh, you know, God bless as um, you know, I've seen all your posts and, and whatnot and all of the great things you had to say about your uncle, who was a veteran, Mr. John Olson, um, R.I.P. And uh, rest well. And um, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm just at the bottom of my heart. I'm sure that uh, heaven gained another great soldier. So um, shout outs to Phil and uh, we're here for you, buddy. So all of that said, we're going to talk some Jags football today, of course. Uh, as we always do. Uh, hopefully I don't get too ranty. Uh, then again, you never know with me. So uh, especially after our loss to the Colts. Uh, but I do want to keep this one brief and uh, make it under roughly 30 minutes or maybe 35 to 40 minutes. Uh, so that being said, we're going to get into some quick hits. Well, actually, before we do that, I'm going to plug some um, interfaces in which you can find the podcast on of course, um, you can find us on Audio Boom, which is uh, where our USA Today network is. So that's audioboom.com. You can find all our archives there, as well as iTunes, where you can feel free to subscribe and comment. Uh, so get, feel free to do that and get us up there in terms of ratings. Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and I'm um, looking to get us on Deezer sooner rather than later for those of you who use that. So on to the quick hits. As I uh, initially was going to get to uh, the Jaguars, I guess this probably is arguably the news of this week. And that was Brandon Linder uh, going on IR on Monday. Today is Tuesday. Uh, Doug Marone announced it yesterday. Uh, prior to that, Ian Rappaport had came out with a report stating that uh, Linder was expected to miss a week or or maybe more. Uh, but then uh, Marone circled around to the report um, afterwards, not too long after, and revealed that Linder would be going on injured reserve with a season-ending knee injury. As we all know, he sustained the injury against the Indianapolis Colts uh, late in the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken. I know it was in the third quarter. I can't remember if it was, if it was late or early, but I'm thinking it was late. 
Uh, he went down, wasn't able to put pressure on his right leg. And if I'm if I'm not mistaken, this is the same knee that he injured week two in the preseason against the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and, and he's been on the injury report since not not saying that he necessarily missed any games because he didn't. But he surfaced on the injury report pretty much every week afterward. Um, I think he missed the next preseason game, but he didn't miss any regular season games. And uh, I think this could be the same knee. Um, Marone didn't go into details in terms of uh, exactly what kind of injury it was. Um, so we won't speculate there, but it is indeed a big blow and enough to sideline him for the rest of the season. So um, I guess later down the road, when we find out what kind of injury it is, we can kind of gauge a timeline for when he should be back. But we wish him the best, of course, and uh, hope him or hope he can have a speedy recovery as he is the Jaguars best offensive lineman. That's why it's such a big blow. But first and foremost, um, from a health standpoint, you want him to come back healthy and uh, you want him to come back 100 percent. So um, shout outs to Lender. And, and we hope that, um, you know, everything is successful with the surgery and he can bounce back to being the um, the great player that we've known him to be since, uh, you know, we drafted him. So that being said, uh, the next topic at hand uh, that I want to discuss is also or the next quick hit, should I say, that I want to discuss is the Jacks brought back Patrick Omame uh, today, as well as uh, they brought back Ben Koyak on Monday night. Uh, so those two guys, former Jags that are returning, um, as I, I said, they got a rash of injuries going on. And in and, and, um, Koyak's case, um, you know, Greenwich kind of wasn't producing and Koyak's a guy that's familiar with the system, a guy that can block uh, this, that and the other. So you can see why they would want him back. Um, you know, they cut him earlier uh, with the injury settlement. Obviously, that was settled. Um, he's he's healthy. He's back. And uh, he's a guy that um, will be in that tight end rotation with James O'Shaughnessy, who actually had a good game against the Colts and uh, Blake Bell. So we'll see um, how Koyak shows up. Uh, in, in his return to the Jacksonville Jaguars. But Patrick Omame was signed today, and um, he's a guy, I mean, I wouldn't say I expected it uh, because I thought he was still with the New York Giants. Uh, he signed a three-year deal with them uh, this offseason. I think it was in March uh, for $15 million with five guaranteed. Obviously, that didn't work out. They cut him recently. I think it was last week or something. I didn't even know it. And uh, now he's back with the Jacksonville Jaguars to provide depth as Tyler Shatley will now be shifted into the lineup, of course, in Lenders place. Um, but, you know, they're going to need some backup with Shatley now in the starting lineup. They're going to need some reserves back there behind him. Patrick Omame will be back, um, can play, obviously, guard. Um, I can't recall if he played any center or took snaps, should I say. I know he started all his games at guard, but I don't know if he took snaps at center uh, just in case the Jaguars need him from that perspective to back up Shatley. But uh, they got a new or or a new slash old interior body to uh, go behind my man Shatley in Omame and a guy that is familiar with the system. So, you know, glad to have him back, although you can argue they really need people on the outside because, as we saw, um, my man, who was it, um, Josh Walker exited the game. Or, or I don't know, like exactly what happened, um, but him and basically Eric Flowers rotated at left tackle and both of them exited the game with injuries, um, albeit they might be minor. We'll have to see throughout the week. 
Um, but there, that is the area the left tackle position is uh, the one in which the Jaguars probably need some help in, although it's not really that much out there um, for them to get. So uh, we'll monitor that throughout the week as well. So they also signed um, former Dolphins linebacker Martel Sprait from uh he went to Arkansas in college and he formerly played for the Redskins before going to the Dolphins. Um, a guy that our former comrade um, from the Jaguars wire, he's now with the Ravens wire, uh, Clint Lamb, who's a SEC expert, um, chimed in on uh, straight or straight, should I say, um, on Twitter when I made this announcement or I put the report up there. And he was saying he's a good signing, a guy that should provide some decent depth at the linebacker position, which the Jags actually need. So uh, to make room for him and uh, Omame, they cut or released D. Delaney, cornerback that went undrafted from Miami. Um, I would expect maybe not that I have an inside hunch on this or anything, but they might bring him back on the practice squad because they liked him so much during summer camp. And um, they also, of course, put Linder on IR. So that made enough room for Sprite and Omami. So uh, the next nugget or quick hit that I want to get into real quick, um, the Jaguars, as you all saw on Jaguars Wire to- today, I think I put it up this morning. Um, basically, they are now the only good thing that came out of this loss. Uh, they moved up one spot according to NFL.com in the draft order. Uh, they are now the number eight team in the draft order. And, um, you know, coming up on the draft and the closer we get to the draft, hopefully, you know, me and the guys will be able to go to the senior bowl this year and do some scouting for y'all. But um, the closer we get to it, this is something worth watching uh, because, as we all know, the Jaguars need a ton of offensive help, offensive line, quarterback, a uh, receiver, you name it. Um, So it's it's to me, uh, this season is out of reach after the Colts lost. So. I think they really should tank, which they won't. You know, they're a Tom Coughlin team, Dub, and a Dub Marone team. So that's not going to happen yet. I think they should tank. And, um, you know, furthermore, even if they don't tank, I just don't think they're really all that good right now. And there's a possibility uh, that they could be drafting very high in the draft order. So this is going to be something worth watching, um, especially, you know, if they want to get into Justin Herbert's sweet stakes. As we all know, that's the quarterback from um, Oregon. And there's also some good offensive linemen in this draft that they can get. So, um, you know, when you look at it, I'm not going to really go into details about this. But, uh, if you know, for those who uh, like us want the Jaguars to draft a quarterback and perhaps in the first round, if the opportunity presents itself, you look at the draft order, you know, and really the only team that you can really say that might get a quarterback or that needs a quarterback is no might in it is the New York Giants. And they actually won their game on Monday Night Football, putting them at two and seven. So the Jaguars aren't that far from reach in terms of, uh, you know, maybe jumping them in the draft order. We'll see uh, later how the season goes for both teams. But that being said, they're the only team, the New York Giants, that you could say that probably would take a quarterback in the first round. So that's going to be something worth watching uh, for those who are hoping that Blake Bortles gets replaced uh, with a first round pick or uh, just gets replaced in general at the top of the draft order, maybe in the top three rounds. Uh, ultimately, time will tell. But as of now, that draft order is, let's see here. We got uh, Oakland in first place. Uh, they're one and eight. 
Uh, the San Francisco 49ers behind them, two and eight. The Giants, of course, two and seven. Um, then the Arizona Cardinals at four, two and seven. At five, the New York Jets, three and seven. At six, the Buffalo Bills, three and seven. At uh, seven, the Detroit Lions, three and six. At eight, of course, us, the Jacksonville Jaguars at three and six. And then at nine, we got the Denver Broncos, three and six. And lastly, at the number 10 spot, um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are also three and six. So if you want to see the rest of that draft order, feel free to check it out on um, the Jaguars wire. Of course, it'll be like on the front page um, and or you could just look on Tankathon or NFL.com or or what have you. So um, now we're going to get into the bulk of the show. Um, I guess the first topic at hand that's probably worth covering is the whole issue with uh, Jalen Ramsey. Of course, um, it's got a lot of traffic on the site. So needless to say, um, it's, it's buzzing right now. As we all know, yesterday he came out with the uh, tweet uh, in which he was saying basically somewhere along the lines of you'll miss me when I'm gone. And of course, uh, that sent the fan base into an uproar and concerned some fans. Um, you all saw my response, actually, which was basically I just thought it was a case of him just venting his frustrations. And um, I think Ramsey has always been a guy, um, as I put it in the tweet, I just look at him as that guy like that when you were growing up on the basketball court, the one guy <laughs> that basically, you know, was talented is all get out, uh, talked all the noise. But um, when he lost on the court, he always wanted to swing on somebody and, and fight somebody when it really wasn't that serious. But, I mean, I guess you could say the Jags issue is a little bit more serious than playing some basketball or, or whatever, a pickup game or whatever. But he's that guy, basically, mm-hmm. that always wanted to to get into an altercation if things didn't go his way and, and wanted to to get up in people's face. And he was that guy that you basically had to say, dude, sit down somewhere and chill, man. It's, it's not all that serious. So that, I feel like that's Jalen Ramsey. And I feel like basically he's shown, um, you know, I love Jalen just as much as any other jazz fan, but he's shown that there, there is a little bit of a, a lack of maturity at times. And I think that, goes into like he he doesn't simply know how to react to losing basically and I mean he said it in uh, interrupted this weekend on the episode at least that they showed this weekend it probably was aired like a couple days before that but he even said it himself it's like you know he doesn't know how to deal with losing and he he would much rather not lose than win if that makes sense I guess that's the best way he paraphrased it but like basically what he was saying is just losing just does something to him and like he wants to avoid that at all costs he doesn't necessarily have to win but losing is just something that does something to him and he just doesn't know how to react well to it and I think that tweet was a case of it so he circled around back to it today uh, once again, it's Tuesday. Um, he posted a tweet Tuesday morning saying that, you know, that people basically in a roundabout way, he said that they overanalyzed it, the fans and um, the media as well, because they took it and ran with it. Of course, I wrote on it as well. But like I said, I didn't take too much into it. Personally, some people did. Um, but that being said, he was saying people overanalyzed it, which I'm calling BS on that. Um, I, I do think he was referring to the fans, and that's okay if he was. Um, but what I'm saying is, you know, he just has to have the maturity 
if he was talking about the fans, I guess we, we have to take his word for it. But if he was talking about the fans, he has to have the maturity, as Doug Marone said, to just be a professional and kind of just not let it affect you or at least not let it show or go to social media about the whole issue. Then he added that uh, basically that people need to pay more attention to the Bible verses that he's been putting out or whatever or something to that effect, which we actually do, by the way. You know, those nothing like some positivity on a timeline to I know I've shared many of his Bible verses that he's put out and I'm sure I've seen many other fans put them out as well. So, I mean, that's not the case. But uh, that being said, the next tweet he put out following that, like roughly two minutes after he went on to post the sentence or a sentence from the interview in which he had with Mina Kimes on ESPN. Um, the I think the title was the man, the myth, the legend to that article where, you know, he called out a lot of people, uh, this, that, and the other, or it might've been the GQ one that he called out a lot of people, but the ESPN one was equally controversial is what I'm saying. And, uh, he put out the sentence where he was saying that, you know, he would like to retire a Jag and, uh, put, the captioning on the tweet i think it was hashtag facts only or something like that to indicate that you know it's not the case that he wants to leave jacksonville at least that's what he says um and i mean i I do believe that i wrote about it earlier today i do believe he he does want to retire a jaguar but i don't believe that the tweet from monday wasn't geared towards the fans at least the ones that came at him like you know it's, it's plenty of fans that really hasn't called out Jalen uh, for whatever he's done. I know it was the whole Bocelli thing where Bocelli called him out for going rogue and all of that. But a lot of people really haven't that I follow really haven't went at Jalen on Twitter. Uh, but I mean, I'm sure he gets his share of grief on Twitter as well, you know, especially with the way he talks smack. So, you know, I can see why, like, it might have got under his skin and not condoning that he should have went on Twitter and, you know, basically tweeted what he did but you know it is what it is uh it's it's really a non-factor um nothing that you know people should really be concerned about uh as i said really more so the issue is not even ramsey like he's the guy that's like he's like the guy in the corner making all the commotion that like is the least of my concerns right now like my concerns personally is like the getting the talent around him and not necessarily getting the talent around him to appease him but i'm saying for the fans sake because, you know, we've been down far too long. Aside from last year, this franchise has been down far too long. And I think the um, basically the front office needs to get their stuff together. Personally, I think Dave Caldwell needs to be fired. I talked about this, too, on Twitter, um, as well as uh, Tom Coughlin. But uh, I would think Shotgun is going to stick with him, especially being that he gave them all a three-year extension that will keep them around to 2020. Uh, so, as I was saying before, I kind of digressed. Um, I, I think the issue is, you know, getting some talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball, more so than Jalen Ramsey going off on Twitter. I mean, that's that's why I said in the tweet, like, don't let his tweet, uh, you know, distract you from what the real issue at hand is. And that's the fact that we got a bad quarterback that we're on the hook for $16 million with next year. Uh, we and not only that, but the GM that drafted that quarterback has stuck with him far too long. And I mean, furthermore, not just Blake Bortles, because Blake Bortles is far from the only issue on this team. But we got a GM who hasn't been very good at finding offensive talent. 
And the the offensive talent that he had in, in Allen Robinson, he let that guy go. I mean, aside from that, he's only really the only guy that really has made some noise besides Fournette is Brandon Linder. And Fournette's, you know, career is to be determined, especially with how injury prone he is. So he could be a bust for all we know. So, yeah, that's that's the real issue at hand is getting this offense together, getting some talent on this offense, because they need pieces everywhere next year. I don't even know if they can address all their needs next year because the offensive side alone is so bad. You know, they still need a tight end. Basically, everything Dave Caldwell addressed in the draft or the offseason this year basically failed. Okay, so, I mean, he needs he needs a quarterback. Additionally, Uh, he needs a tight end. He needs several offensive linemen perhaps even even with cam robinson coming back a left tackle uh he could use a guard he could use a right tackle jeremy parnell's getting older it's just holes all over the place man so that's the real issue at hand in my opinion and furthermore the other issue is the coaching staff because nate hackett i mean just i'm put it the way that it is simply doesn't know what the hell to do without leonard fournette now granted fournette came back in the Colts game, uh, they basically showed that even with Fournette, this team has issues that's beyond him. And Fournette is not a savior for this team. Uh, and I told people that before. Basically, he got back. Like, bringing Fournette back into the equation doesn't really help much uh, when you don't have a quarterback that can take people out of the box and give him opportunities between the tackles. I mean, that's what we saw even before this year, before the injuries hit, and before this, that, and the other hit. Blake Bortles showed us this last year, especially at the end of the regular season and, and also in the Buffalo Bills game. If you stack the box and make him put the, the game in his hands, uh, you stand a good chance to beat this team. And, I mean, that's been painfully obvious this year, especially without Leonard Fournette. So, that being said, like that is the issue at hand that people really need to be worried about. And I guess ultimately time will tell if it gets addressed, which is why I'm all for the Jaguars losing as many games as possible and getting as uh, high in the draft order as possible. All this jazz about, oh, we, you know, we got Steelers number and we do, at, at least in recent times, and that we'll beat the Steelers. I don't even want to beat the Steelers at this rate because when we lost to the Colts, that was the end of the season. There's no point in winning any more games. I know from a morale standpoint, things could get worse, this, that, and the other. Uh, but the Jaguars are in a situation where Blake Bortles has forced a hand to where, and granted, he was better these last two weeks, but he's forced them in a situation to where uh, they need to lose games to get as high as they can in the draft order to potentially replace him and not even that uh maybe even just you know get a very good offensive player whether that be a receiver or a guard or a tackle or whatever the case may be so that's where i'm at on the whole jalen ramsey thing the next nugget of material i want to get to of course was the game itself which i probably shouldn't spend a lot of time on because it was putrid despite the the offense looking better and putting up 26 points uh, what the defense did was just horrendous, uh, and I'll get on them later. But what I want to talk about is what that game says about the AFC South first and foremost. Then we'll talk about what it means for the Jags and the turmoil they're in and, and this, that, and the other. But in terms of the AFC South, I think what that game showed is that the Colts are on the rise. Now, albeit, I will say this, I don't think they're good right now. I mean, they offensively, they're playing some good ball, 
But right now, I don't think they're very good. And I don't think the Jaguars are very good, of course. I mean, I've said that already. So for them to defeat the Jags isn't really a notch on the belt. Like, we, we might want to slow. I know Stephen A. Smith and others, you know, were talking and ranting about the Colts and, and raving them and giving them all this praise, this, that, and the other. And I think the Colts are going to be very good. But I think furthermore, uh, and, and again, I don't think they're good right now. But furthermore, what I do believe is that eventually – I think this shows what I've been saying all along, and that is that the Colts could surpass the Jaguars in terms of uh, being a better overall team and talent. And, and of course, once again, that's because Dave Caldwell has held on to Blake Bortles too long. He's held his team back for too long, um, and he's drafted poorly. And I think uh, the Colts and their GM and those guys over there, you know, when you give them some time, give them about a year or so, they are going to be a very dangerous team. They already shown what they can do on offense. They got to get that defense together because they can't stop nobody on defense, which is why, like I said, I don't think they all they are a very good team at the moment, at least. Um, but when you look at what they've done in terms of what they added when they got rid of Ryan Griggs and they brought in uh, Chris Ballard. I think that's his name, the GM uh, from uh, he was formerly a guy under the Kansas City tree, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs tree. And yes, it's Chris Ballard. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, the the Chiefs, that's where all the hot hands are coming from in terms of personnel and, and guys that know what they're doing and guys that know how to draft. And if he can hit on draft picks as the Chiefs have over the last couple of years, look out, especially with the rate Dave Caldwell is drafting at the misses he's making, especially on first round picks. That's especially going to hurt this team at some point. It has to cost this team to only hit on Jalen Ramsey as your first round pick in six years. That has to catch up with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And if Ballard can draft relatively good as the Kansas City Chiefs did and and take some of those things he learned from the Kansas City Chiefs, the, the, the Jags are in trouble. It is what it is. And furthermore, the reason I say that is because if he can get pieces on that defense to complement this offense, the thing about it, in the next year or so, the Jacksonville Jaguars defense is probably going to regress. And that's, you know, that's because of cap issues. And they're going to have to get rid of guys, you know, maybe a Calais Campbell, maybe a Malik Jackson, uh, maybe a Marcel Darius and a Barry Church, who isn't very good. I don't think that's going to hurt them to get rid of Church. But, you know, they're going to have to get a, get rid of se- several veterans. And they are not going to have the cap that they had. At least next year, they're not going to. And they're going to have to get rid of guys. So, uh, you know, that can set the Jags back. And that can propel the Colts over the Jags, at least for that year. And maybe beyond when you look at what what steps that offense can take if they continue to grow. So, you know, like I think this game was, again, like I said, they aren't those weren't two good teams on the on the field, at least in my opinion. But at least that game showed us that the Colts are trending upwards, um, and I, albeit they have beat on some very uh, bad teams, some of the worst in the league, but they are trending upwards. And that game furthermore said that they are probably, in my opinion, going to propel over the Jaguars in the next two years or so, especially if Dave Caldwell remains the GM and doesn't get it right or, you know, whatever the case may be. If the Jaguars don't start doing better draft-wise, they're in some trouble and uh, yeah, I, I think the Colts will be a better team than them very soon. And, and again, they got the quarterback situation right. So, you know, here we are 
we don't and you know that that hurts you that handicaps you of course you know the quarterback position is the most important position in the game so there's that so I mean like I think those guys are going to surpass us and if they surpass us you know it's kind of hard to say who's going to be the the worst team in the AFC South it may be between us and the Titans uh, but those guys are somebody to watch uh, and I'm talking about the Colts here and and I would just ask fans to Jags fans at least to wisely watch what they're doing over there carefully uh, because they are a team that's going to make some noise at least in my opinion in the near future now on to what the game said about the Jaguars and just how abysmal they've been and just how poorly coached they've been, especially. You had guys not only just missing the assignments, coverage assignments, Telvin Smith just looked pure lost out there, just straight lost. But not only did you have that, you had Jalen Ramsey going rogue, as um, Tony Boselli pointed out, and he's actually done it before. So that's an ongoing issue. That's That's not good at all. I mean, I, and I do agree that Wash hasn't been good this year. And I agree that he's made some crazy, uh, some terrible calls in terms of scheming. And, you know, he's a guy that hasn't adapted. Well, I agree with all of that. I agree with all of that. But as a football player, and I've only played on the high school level, but as a football player, coachability means a lot in this league, ladies and gentlemen. It means a lot in this league. And when you have players doing what they want to do and not being coachable, that's an issue that can turn into a dumpster fire situation, just a flat out dumpster fire situation. So that, you know, that's just something that's concerning in itself. We'll see if that continues. But um, but they also weren't prepared on defense, guys. I mean, the offense, I mean, they weren't. It wasn't nothing to write home about because they were being up on the Colts defense. But the offense brought it. But the defense just especially coming off the bye, that's inexcusable. And that's why Todd Wash probably should be the one to get the ax at least at the end of the year or maybe even before then. But we'll see. But that was just a a poor game on Todd Wash's part. And, not, I mean, it's not just his fault. Of course, the players got to go out there and play. You know, the players ain't look good out there, man. Barry Church, uh, you know, he, he, he looked lost in coverage. And he was – uh, reacting in coverage and deep coverage late. And you can't do that when you're so far in the backfield. You have to react fast and you have to have good positioning as well. I used to play free safety. So I know I know what that that is all about, especially in this scheme. And I don't even know why the hell Barry Church would be back so far in the backfield. But it was times where he was back there getting burnt, looking lost, reacting late, this, that and the other. And not only that, it was times where the team just couldn't get lined up quick enough, was confused. Like I said, run uh, tailbacks or, or should I say tight ends running past Telvin Smith. He looks like he hasn't covered a day in his life. And I think I talked about this with the, um, with the guys over in Pittsburgh at Tribe Live. Um, I actually did a podcast with Tim Benz over there. Feel free to check that out. I'm going to post it on the site. But um, I think... When you look at Telvin Smith, man, I, I think a lot of it is Telvin Smith has always been not good in coverage, in my opinion. And he's always the times that he's been in coverage, aside from this year, even before now, you know, it was times where he was overshooting his area, his own area, whatever. Um, and he's always just had issues in coverage, bottom line. And now he's getting exposed for it because simply put the quarterback they aren't putting the quarterback on the ground like they did they're getting great pressure don't get me wrong but for whatever reason the pressure isn't scaring anybody 
I mean, we saw Carson Wentz stay in the pocket, get hit, and still make crazy completions. So this is a case where the pressure really, I mean, if you're playing a good enough quarterback, you know, they're going to stick in there and still make those throws. And Andrew Luck is one of those guys that's going to stick in there and make those throws. And he's he exposed Telvin Smith in the process. And not just him, Carson Wentz did, and others have done it. So, you know, Telvin Smith, man, like, and that's my guy. You know, I'm from the 229 like Telvin, but Jesus Christ, man, he, he has to get it together, man, as this team's leader and getting paid what he's getting paid, man. He can't continue to look like that in coverage. And, and by that, I mean just lost his all get out. So, and again, as we all know, you know, the run game or the run defense hasn't been all that good. It wasn't good last year. It wasn't really an issue against the Colts. But, I mean, throughout the season, it's been an issue, and that's something that needs to be addressed later down the road, too. And that's that's why, you know, we've seen a lot of the Avery Jones and the uh, Marcel Darius package together because, you know, people people been exposing the Jags for the runs. So, um, in terms of just what that game showed me in terms of the Jacksonville Jaguars is what we've seen all year. They've, they're underprepared. They've been out skiing. They look lost. You know, and that, you know, this season is over. It is. It is what it is, man. Like, kill all the noise. I don't mean to be that guy, but kill all the noise about going to the playoffs. At this rate, nobody should want to go to the playoffs. I mean, I guess I can't tell nobody what they should want as a Jags fan, so don't take it that way. But I'm just saying, like, personally, I don't even want to go to the playoffs at this rate because it's some serious adjustments that need to be made with this, not only the staff, but the personnel in terms of the players. And the Jaguars need the best draft position and they can get at this point. Um, and especially with the cap situation being the way it is, they're going to have to rely a lot on the draft. You know, they aren't going to be able to lean on free agency as they have in the past to get that splash guy. I mean, I guess like if they made the right cuts, they could. But this ain't the time for it with the cap situation looking like it is. So, um, yeah, like in terms of heading forward to the Steelers, man, like I don't think even though we have had their number in the past, I don't think we're going to win this one. Um, feel free to check out my prediction. It'll be up on Wednesday in USA Today uh, Sports in the paper. So check that out. Um, but I predicted the Steelers to win this one. Um, I, I think they could give Ben Roethlisberger a hard time in terms of turnovers and whatnot. But um, ultimately, when you look at uh, the Steelers defense, and let me pull up their stats real quick. They are eighth in total yards allowed allowing a average of 336 yards point one uh, that's good for eighth in the league and the other key stat worth watching is that they are fourth in rushing yards allowed allowing an average of 90.8 so in a nutshell what i said in the capsule in the paper is i think the steelers basically are going to clamp down on the run uh make blake bortles uh beat them with his arm and that's the crazy thing about it is it it was it shocked me that the Jaguars were able to run the ball as good as they were last year, both times against the Steelers. And um, I don't know if that's going to be the case this time. I guess you can never tell because the Steelers, for whatever reason, when they play us, they just go dumbfounded and they get thrown all off the ball and pushed all off the ball. Our offensive line just had their way with them last year. But anyway, this year, if they hold to what they've been doing best in terms of defense and they can stop the run that'll put the game in Blake Bortles hand and of course when Blake Bortles has to play from behind then you already pretty much it's 
probably, I guess you could say roughly a 70% chance that the opposition is going to win. So from that perspective, I don't think we're going to win this game, but uh, it is indeed a trap game for the Steelers. Um, albeit the Jaguars play better when they're at Heinz Field when they play the Steelers. Uh, but you you just never know with this matchup. Like it's Mike Tomlin just has this tendency, and they're red hot right now. I think they're on a five game running streak. But Mike Tomlin has his tendency to just have his team whatever just like underprepared when they play the Jaguars and they just get their butts handed to them. So you, I mean, like it is certainly in the realm of possibilities that the Jacksonville Jaguars could win this game. But I don't think winning this game will really do them any good anyway. In my humble opinion. And I mean, like I said, they they need the best draft position and they can get. It's not like winning this game is going to help them to get into the playoffs because their playoff hopes are all but gone. They lost five straight. So it's not like that. I mean, yeah, it'll help morale going forward and it'll help the atmosphere to be better in the locker room. And I'm not saying that I want the atmosphere to be everybody with their head down, people swinging at each other in the locker room like, you know, the reports surfaced earlier this year. I'm not saying I want that. You know, and I want them to lose and that to happen. But I'm just saying right now, tanking is the best option for them, in my opinion. So I guess ultimately time will tell what happens in that game. Of course, it was moved to CBS at one o'clock and that one o'clock window uh, was initially scheduled for Sunday night football. Instead, they are putting um, the Vikings and the Bears in that slide. I think that's at Soldier Field. So. You know, the Jaguars haven't played well enough to get that spot, as Clayus Campbell said. I mean, it's still heartbreaking. But you would have to think, like, Monday night football or Sunday night football, should I say, didn't really want to come to Jacksonville anyway. I mean, like, it took this long for them to even consider coming here. And they still, like, not just them, but, like, the NFL still didn't really want to give us all that many primetime games. It was ridiculous at the time. But I guess now that that's a good thing because now we don't have to embarrass ourselves on national TV several times if we had got the four or five games in primetime that we were hoping for initially after seeing how the Jags performed in 2017. So... Steelers game is going to be interesting. Um, we're going to have at least being that they took us off of prime time. We're going to have the uh, the prime time crew from CBS. I guess you can call them that because they're like the the A team, should I say? Uh, Tony Romo, Jim Nance, and um, I think it's uh, Tufoya, Michelle Tufoya, if I'm not mistaken. No, it's Tracy Wolfson on the field. So that'll be you know something worth listening to and and watching on the TV is. Uh, listening to those guys, they are always fun to watch as opposed to having Collinsworth called play by play, even though I um I like his uh his partner in crime. Who is it? Uh, my man, um, Al Michaels. That's it. Um, Even though some people ain't really high on Michaels either, but I, I like Michaels. But that being said, I much rather have the Romo and Nance crew over uh Al Michaels and, and Chris Collinsworth. So that's something to look forward to. And I mean, like I wouldn't if we did win, I wouldn't be sad about it. Like it's always good to beat the Steelers. Uh, but I mean, I don't for one, I don't think we will win. And two, I just don't think we should win because it really don't benefit us at this point of the year. So that being said, that's really all that I wanted to cover. Hopefully this is a short one. I don't know what I'm running on in terms of the minutes. Um, but um, once again, shout outs to Phil and um, shout outs to Jacob and Jackson Freiberger as well, who has been, you know, he's helped 
occasionally here and there on game day from UGA Wire. Also, my buddy, Coach Tris, Nick Tris, who, uh, you know, he's a contributor occasionally, you know, when it's not football season uh, with us. You know, Allen State has him or Allen University has him occupied. But um, he recently had a, a birthday. So happy birthday to Nick on that end. And um, yeah, that pretty much will do it. So again, you can feel free to uh, subscribe and listen to us all over the the web, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and of course the Audio Boom Network. Of course, the site www.jaguarswire.usatoday.com, and uh, you can also feel free to follow us at our various handles, which I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast. Uh, so that being said, Jags fans, I, I know it's been tough. <laughs> These last weeks, these last five weeks, uh, but to try, try to keep your heads up and uh, don't let the team stretch y'all out too much. And um, until next time on the Jags Den podcast, this is James Johnson and I am signing out.